In this special edition of Studio Inter, we'll be interviewing the former commercial venue director at Inter, Mr. David Garth. We'll be talking to him about the changes imposed by Suning, life in Italy and Italian football, the new San Siro Stadium, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on centerinter.com. And we are now joined by a guest that I have been wanting to get on the pod for many, many months. So thank you, first of all, for coming on and sorry for me stalking you. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's the former commercial venue director at Inter uh, and he's, been, he's also worked at Manchester United before that. Welcome to Studio Inter, making his debut, Mr. David Garth. Thank you for having me, Bags. Thank you for having me. So good to have you. Um, well, uh, let's uh, first things first. Your title, commercial venue director. What does that? What did that actually entail in in, in practice uh, when you were at Inter? Yeah, I mean, basically, my my role was to try and build um, Inter's venue business out of San Siro. So everything, uh, ticketing, hospitality, and and membership related. Um, <clears throat> which was obviously in the early days was a big, a big task and a difficult task because there was a hell of a lot of work to do. Um, but in essence, that was my role was to how we kind of made sure that the venue, which is obviously one of the key, key revenue streams for any football club in, in the world, uh, was strong and growing. Hmm. Um, so how, I mean, how, I mean, if you, you know, what, what exactly like did you do when you, when you joined, like what, how much, how much change was that or did, did, did that entail like, when, when you started working? Like, I mean, I, I, I was very lucky because I, we only had a small team at the start. There was only maybe 11 or 12 people. Um, but the team that I had was such a dedicated group, hard working group, and we just needed to get some, um, stability and strategy behind obviously the, the power of what Inter is as a brand. Now, Inter as a brand in itself is, you know, as we've heard many, many times, it was pitched to me when I first went to speak to Inter back in 2014. You know, one of the biggest brands in the world, but from a revenue perspective, extremely low down the order. So the stadium um, had to be, and I know I know, typical fans don't like this term, but monetized. Um, mm. And, you know, I'm a football fan. And the, the, the rough part of football is that there has to be a business behind the football pitch. Mm. You look at every top club in the in the world, it focuses so hard on its its off the pitch business because it has to do. That's what fuels it. That's what fuels the pitch, because especially in, in today's terms now with with financial fair play, you have to have a business behind it that's that's generating income to go out and and um, invest in the team and invest in facilities and invest in in pushing the club where it where you know back to where it should be. So. Stadium, key pillar, stadium, basically stadium, retail, sponsorship, TV rights, they're all the, the key revenue streams for a club. And obviously for the venue side, we had to really do a lot of work because my first game when I came to um, to talk to the club about joining, there was only, I think it was against Verona um, in November 2014. And the, I think the actual nominal attendance was around 26,000, 27,000. Wow. So, there was a hell of a lot of work to do. I mean, the average attendance that first season, I think 14, 15, uh, ended at around 36, 37,000 average, which, you know, for, for Inter Milan, 
Um, I'm back calling into Milan now. I'm back living in the UK. For Inter, <laughs> uh, for Inter, that's you know that's criminal because you know the, not only is San Siro is, is you know it's an iconic stadium. It's eighty thousand capacity. It's it's an it's an iconic venue. But you know Inter's fan base. You know, into the, the, I think the last count was something like 350 million fans and growing, which obviously a lot of those live outside of Italy. But um, you've got to look at how you can get people to your stadium easily, what experience they have and everything around that. The only thing you can't control is what happens at kickoff. But everything else around that framework, we had to work extremely hard on. Well, yeah, I mean, I was I was going to ask you something that that lends itself very much to this discussion. Um, I saw that when you left Inter about a, a year ago, you, mm. you, you filled you with immense pride to see the, the the progress that the club had made since you joined to to when you'd left last year. Um, yeah. So I was just wondering what what was the biggest or the most sort of important change that was made during your time? And I mean, perhaps that perhaps it's what you've said about these attendance figures. I mean, what what fills you with most pride looking back at, at what you achieved there? I think I mean there's a many many yeah from a from a figures and revenue point of view yeah what we achieved was was outstanding given what we you know what 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 me and the guys had to work with um, I think reconnecting and reengaging with the fans was 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 a huge thing because you know Inter's fans are the most passionate group that I've ever ever worked with and what what saddened me initially when I first joined was that this just seemed to be a real disconnect between the club and and the fan base itself. So through, for example, through the Interclub network, which uh, Nicola and the guys run and do a, f- a phenomenal job. I mean, I think the numbers this year are something like 138,000 um, of, of, of paid members. You know, what those guys do globally um, to bang the drum for Inter is is out of this world. You know, we, I think we're up to something like 2,000 Interclub events uh, globally across a year when I left last, uh, last June, July. So... Oh. We built we built up a phenomenal uh, engagement process through the interclubs, through then the academy business that Barbara Beegi and the team run now and, and are doing incredible work across uh, globally again, taking the inter training methods and uh, the rationale of how to uh, become men as players. Uh, you know what Barbara and the team are doing, coupled with the interclub, was to really get the brand out there, but also get the fans involved a bit a lot more. And I was I was so proud that, you know, <clears throat> to see that the attendances rise how they did with, you know, in fairness, you know, the, the, the team, our, obviously our best performance was fourth. Uh, we, we qualified for the Champions League last May. But up to that point, there was very little for the fans to really get behind other than a belief in the colours and a belief in things will get better. And. I used to stress a lot to people because obviously as a, as a management team, we got a lot of stick from, from fans. But to be honest with you, the work that myself and the rest of the guys did at that club was, was phenomenal. Um, you know, we had, we had very little things to work with a lot, you know, Inter had very much been a, a club that was, did a lot of things internally, a lot of things in house, um, but needed that extra push then to, to really kick on to, to become the club it is now. And, over the last two or three years, the transformation, seeing it go from, you know, I don't think we turned over something like 160 million in that first year through to 300 plus whatever it's going to be this year. You know, that from a, from a business point of view is is outstanding, outstanding mm. for a club such as Man City or um, EPL clubs or, you know, La Liga clubs. 
it's very easy in terms of revenues for for them to for them to push their their turnovers so high. What Inter did was completely organic, and it was all done through the hard graft of the of the team and the people that are there. And I've said from from day one that Inter as a club were very very fortunate to have so many people come in, um, completely cold to to Italy, but worked in football and really gel and bond to push. Uh, the club forward because now you're seeing the results of, of the groundwork that was done from 14, 15 onwards. Um, and, you know, there's, there's some great people there and all fans want success. All fans want trophies. All fans want to be going to a, a parade at the end of the season where, we, where you're seeing some silverware. But for the for the position that for Inter to qualify two years on the bounce for the Champions League on the back of the last four years is a phenomenal, phenomenal achievement. Believe me, guys, what I walked into to to what is now is 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 night and day. So, you know, the the club that's that that's risen from the the Phoenix and the Flames kind of kind of thing that's come up now. I was so pleased and so proud to see the team do it again. And then now um, it's, it's time for them to kick on to that next level. And and hopefully now you know there's by the sound of it, it's going to be a lot of changes in the summer, but. The base is there, you know, the base is there, the mentality is there with the ownership, with the management team and, and everything is, is now pointing in such a, a great direction for the team to now take that next step and, and really challenge Juve. You know, that was, you know, when I, I first joined into the, the challenge was, look, we're 10 years behind Juventus, at least 10 years behind. How do we, um, how do we bridge that gap in, a, in, as, in as quick a time as possible? Off the field, obviously, we worked... We, we kind of pulled 10 years worth of, of work into into three years to, I think, this year into past them commercially, from what I read. Yeah. Um, which, again, if you look at that... Unbelievable. Is, Unbelievable. Is, Unbelievable. You know, not a lot of people make, make reference to that because it's only people that understand the business side of football and the, the huge gulf that was between the two clubs. Now, on the park is another matter. I mean, obviously, Juve have, have, have been able to invest a hell of a lot in years, uh, in the years to to get that stretch, but Inter are not a million miles away with some mm. shrewd acquisitions and um, a little bit more, you know, a bit more belief. I think, you know, in, in some of the key matches next season, I'd like to see them a lot closer. But from a business point of view, um, you know, Inter Inter swam the swam the channel and back. Yeah. Um, what uh, this kind of leads into my my next question is: What impression have you got of Suning and how they operate, uh, and during your period when you were working under them? I mean, I spent a lot of time with the guys, obviously in Milan, because a lot of the, the Suning guys were in the offices. Um, but I went to Nanjing quite a few times as well, because we one of the big engagement pieces was the fan base out there, because it is so vast. How did we we make it better? So my impression from the very early doors was just wow, you know. I mean. Um, the, these guys are extremely serious, extremely driven to, to make into not just one of the best. They want to be the best. You know, these guys don't fail at anything. So as, as, a, as a fan base listening to this, and I know there's been ups and downs in terms of what I only read what I see on social media, et cetera, people saying uh, about the project and this and that. Sunning's project is to be the best. Mm. In whatever field they're in, whatever they turn their hand to, um, they would just want to be the best. And in Stephen, uh, in terms of a custodian of somebody who's come in, because you only have a, you know, the staff and the people, the presidents, you only have a custodians of a football club. You know, it's, it belongs to the fans, it belongs to, um, to it, to its history. But 
I think now, you know, Stephen's spent a few years getting getting to grips with what Inter is about and he's fully in it, he's fully immersed in it. Um, and that needed to happen. You know, you needed you need leadership from uh, from within and they've got that now and it seems to be, you know, driving just bigger and bigger results. Um, obviously, that's in, in no disrespect to, to Eric Tahir, who, who, was, um, who came in and, and really put the building blocks in place for, for what Inter is. Uh, Inter is now, but you know the Sunning guys have really come in, and that was that was always the aim was they would come in and, and take the club onto the next level. And I, from day one, I was uh, mightily impressed with them. And the more and more I dealt with them, the more you could see how seriously we. Obviously, they needed to adjust and understand not just football in general, but Italian football because it is very, very unique. Mm. You know, I've worked in the U- in the UK, I've worked in in England, Scotland, and then Italy. And Italian football is very, very unique, and it's you've got to you have to adjust to Italian football rather than Italian football adjusting to you because it's going to take a lot of time for Italian football to change a general mentality. Um, so the Sunning guys had to get that, and they've um, you know so far so good. Mm, great. Well, yeah, I wanted to go back to San Siro, obviously, because this is very much what you were dealing in on a on a on a daily basis. There's been a lot of talk, um, not so much in the last couple of weeks, but in the last couple of months, about uh, Suning's uh, supposed desire to to maybe get rid of San Siro and, and build a new stadium. Um, mm. There was a lot of obviously meetings with Milan and with the council a couple of months ago. Um, sounded uh, back in March as if the direction was was more sort of towards a new stadium than a, than a renovated San Siro. So I was just wondering. If you could explain why to, to a fan who might be potentially very upset to see San Siro go, what what is the benefit of potentially getting rid of this stadium and and taking a completely new direction from a sort of commercial business point of view? Why would Suning potentially want to to do that? I think it really is, is one with progress. I mean, look, the first time I pulled up at San Siro it was goosebumps. San Siro on a night when it's all lit up and and the atmosphere and the noise and and the history and everything you think about back to the 1990 World Cup and, and, and pre that. But football has to evolve and football has to move on. And, you know, San Siro, for example, only has just there or there about 3,000 corporate seats. So, and again, extraordinary. A, a purist football fan, uh, corporate seating is a dirty word, but it's, it's vital. It's vital to your business. So that all needs to be built out in terms of uh, an expanded product. You know, Italy is now starting to really grasp what sports hospitality is. And, you know, we brought the, the rights back in-house last year and, and the team have done phenomenally well in, in generating revenue. But the stadium is very old, very archaic and needs a hell of a lot of, of, of modernization to, to, to build a bigger and broader business. Um, you know, fan, fan services, fan facilities, Wi-Fi, you know, everything needs to be about engaging the fan base that goes in and making sure fans get the service they want from, from the stadium that they visit. And, and San Siro is difficult. You know, none of the tiers connect. Um, so it, it's a difficult stadium to operate. But, you know, I, I get that, you know, the football fan in me, the kid in me that saw San Siro on the TV when I was a child. Wow, just wow. But football has to move on. And all clubs now need a venue business that can that can support the, the ambition and growth of the football club. And, you know, Inter and Milan are no different. I know that they, they now they, they both want the same thing. So I think it will probably happen, uh, whether it will be um, a renovation, a modernization of the ex- existing structure, whether they'll drop the existing structure and move it and build a new 
uh, stadium on, on the site somewhere, I'm not sure, but it has to happen. Um, Inter has to grow, Inter has to develop. I mean, the club's now moved into the top five attendances in Europe. Um, they've gone above Real Madrid, believe it or not. Yeah, so it's amazing. It's amazing to see that, you know, with the fan base that's there, with the facilities and the service within San Siro, is not up on, on a level playing field with it. Um, just what will happen when that when you walk into that stadium and, it, and it's brought into the modern day. Um, all right, yeah, will it lose its soul a little bit? Maybe. But Inter has to evolve as a business. Football evolves. And I'm sure that every fan, when they do take their seat in the new San Siro 2.0, whatever it is, will be immensely impressed with how uh, how it works. Because, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in US stadium in the last, the last year or so. And, you know, some of the teams over there obviously moved away from uh, the, the San Francisco 49ers, for example, moved away from Candlestick Park to, to Levi Stadium. But the facilities and the different experience and the parking and the whole match day experience is so much easier and better now as a, as a fan consuming the sport that that's what the Inter fans will benefit from. And it, we may lose that little bit of San Siro and the little bit of spirit about it, but the club has to move forward and, and, and grow. Mm. True. Um, you mentioned a little bit about how Italian, you know, you have to adapt to Italian football uh, and not and not Italian football adapt to you. Um, one of one of those, uh, you know, one maybe one of the negative sides of that is how the Italian football's re- reputation of the uh, never-ending bureaucracy and, and the ability to never get things done. Um, mm-hmm. What what differences have you noticed between how English operate, clubs operate off the pitch and how things are done in the city are, and and is that maybe being changed and uh, modernised in Italy? Um, I hope so. Eventually, I mean, the biggest change that I've seen in the last few years is that many clubs now following Inter's lead in being actually proactive in in trying to engage and get fans in the stadium. You know, the the marketing team and the venue team at Inter have done a phenomenal job in in leading the way really in how to engage a fan base and get them involved. Um, and I think I've seen more and more clubs now taking this route. Um, you know, Inter really pioneered the how to really get, get tickets into market and get people in the stadium. Because, you know, Juve uh, built their stadium to fill it and they've done that. Um, Inter obviously had nine on 80,000 seats a game to try, and, to try and fill. So we had to be very, very um, clever in how we went to market. We had to basically build a sales and marketing plan that that worked on 19 different events. So 19 different match days to target different demographics on markets, depending on the weather, depending on the kickoff time. So I've seen more clubs doing this now, uh, targeting different sectors, families, students. So I think Syria is starting to learn and and thankfully the interway of how to, to go to market. And I think I saw a statistic the other day that viewing figures, are, TV viewing figures are going down, which is obviously a concern because then revenue goes down uh, from the broadcasters. But I think the next step now is for the Serie A to, and with the TV broadcasters to look at their product because we want, you know, the, the, the EPL prove that you can have full stadia and good viewing figures. So I think the TV companies in Serie A need to work on... Um, how they make a compelling product for people sat at home because not everybody goes to the stadiums on a Saturday. You know, for example, guys in, in Sicily, there's only a few of them that go every week to San Siro. There's a hell of a lot that sit at home and wait for the, the coverage on TV. So I think the broadcasters need to do some work and invest in their product 
for the non-visiting fans um, because the clubs now are starting to um, push on the live a lot more. And, you know, it's all about live sport. You know, if you're a football yeah. fan, you want to be in your stadium with your team. You know, I mean, there's guys guys from the southern tip of pool. You get on a, on a Pullman on Friday night to get to San Siro for the game at the weekend and get back on the Pullman straight after the game and get back to the southern tip of pool. You're on early hours on Monday morning. That entire weekend is consumed by Inter. But there's a hell of a lot that stay at home and watch on TV. Mm. So mm. it's finding that balance. And I think, you know, Syria now... What The, the good thing about Syria is, is its legacy. Um, globally, Italian football has, has obviously been a top, top product from the, the 70s and the 80s. And then it's gone through, it's watched everybody else go past it in the recent times. The Premier League, La Liga and Bundesliga have gone past Serie A. But, you know, those clubs have been building over time, whereas Serie A have, have the platform there. Everyone knows about Serie A. The league just need to now reinvest in how they um, get more people consuming the product globally. I mean, the, the global figures for... Syria are improving and getting better. The, the the rights money from them globally is getting better, um, but Syria now need to to really, and I and I've said this from from joining into that the EPL is the way to look at it in terms of an independent um, commissioner that basically says right clubs here's your money leave me to do my job and make sure I get you more money for our league our product and we run a, a good uh, a good infrastructure business that supports the football clubs. You know, there's the, obviously the, the clubs still have a lot of say in what happens with voting and the chairman are all involved and the owners and the presidents. I think for me, I think that needs to step back now to the, the mm. Scudamore type model in Italy, the, where Syria, phenomenal product, just needs to be managed uh, to its best of, and its potential to, to generate as much as it can. Well, one thing they should do is to give a certain Mr. David Garth a call because what you guys did at Inter was simply fantastic. So maybe you could replicate that for the whole league. What do you think about that? <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm uh, I think I'm too ingrained in black and blue, my friend, to be uh, to be anything like that. Oh, but, nice one, nice one. But the, um, no, I mean, look, what was pleasing for me from, like I said, joining the club in 2014 to leaving the club and, and still watching Serie A now. When I watch the live games and I see full stadium and more people there, likes of Udinese getting good crowds and, um, you know, Calgary building a ground and filling it. it it's, re- it's great that the, the league is now, you know, and, and the people are now coming back out to, to support football. And, you know, we we pioneered a lot of new and new things into, you know, the family stand, student offers. We did a hell of a lot more with the interclub members to get them to the stadium. I mean, I think there was a game... It was either this season or last season where there was with with guys that bought season tickets and single tickets, twenty thousand plus members wow. in the stadium. Wow! So there's so much you can do. Like where we had the social media night last year, which again pushing that we had a game against Calgary on a Wednesday night, but in a different way, uh, with social influencers who could talk about the game and let more people know about it. So we just experimented and tried and. And what Inter have always been been very good at in the last few years is is experimenting different things. And the guys there, uh, the marketing team, the venue team, the sponsorship guys, the whole commercial raft of people at, at, at Inter have really changed the book in Italy of how to to uh, to run the club. And for me now, sat out of it looking in, I'm, I feel very proud of those guys and what they're what they're achieving constantly. Well, that well certainly you you should be proud because you guys did something amazing and, and thank you for your service to the club. God knows it was necessary. Uh, when, I when mean, you I came thank, in. thank the fans because the fans stuck with us. 
You know, mm. there was a lot of negativity, a lot of talk about these English people coming in and these Americans <laughs> coming in and we're an Italian <laughs> club. And But, you know, the fans opened themselves up to us and, and they believed in us and they got behind us. And, and you know, it, that was the hardest thing. You know, some of the some of the goodbyes I had to do was, you know, it brought my heart some places because they were, you know, why are you leaving? Please don't go. You know, you stay with Inter. And, you know, it was it was really tough, you know, really tough. And it was harder leaving Inter than what it was to leave Man United Ooh. because... It was really connected with not only the staff, you know, because we all came into it together. The staff grew organically over the years I was there. But the fans, you know, the fans really made us welcome. And, you know, I, I thanked them a lot when I left last year because, you know, the fan base, the Inter fan base were just first class. And I would love, I would love to see um, whoever the captain is next season lifting uh, a trophy, a Scudetto, hopefully, but a trophy just mm-hmm. to, as a testament to those fans, because, you know, I, I've never experienced such a dedicated group of people that would walk through fire for their football club. And now I want to see them get something back. You know, I want I, I wanted to win a trophy when I was there because just to see the reaction, you know, just to be there and see the fan reaction. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see that, but hopefully I will from afar. And, and you know, the fans just deserve now uh, the next level. And I know that everybody inside the club are desperate, desperate to put something in the cabinet. And um, and I'm sure that, you know, with a little bit of uh, luck and a little bit of good planning this next summer, I'm sure that's going to happen soon. Well, we hope you're right. From your mouth to God's ears, as the saying goes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, David Garth. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. you, David. No it's, problem, guys. It's an absolute pleasure having you on. And, and, and uh, if you, if you, you know, you're on Twitter as well. And you're, also, you're, you're actually a great follow on Twitter. You tweet out some hilarious things. I'm a passive tweeter. I just, I just retweet and, and yeah, laugh. <laughs> but they are funny. The stuff you retweet is funny. I got to give you that. Um, it's at Blue Bantam, is it? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. That's the one. Okay, thank you so much, David, for coming on. Uh, have a good weekend and hope to speak to you soon. You too, guys. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, David. Take All care. the best, guys. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Ciao.